All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee. And we're under attack out here. There's some crazy stuff going on out here, and I'm super excited to talk to you guys about it. Super excited to talk to Will, my buddy here that's joining the show. Um, yeah, because this agenda that we see in the news and the headlines and all this stuff that's, uh, you know, it's actually happening here. Like, it's happening in real life, and uh, we're going to get into it tonight. So, you know, hopefully you guys can spread this episode out there, share this information, you know, because it's us today. It might be you guys tomorrow. So um, the more we can uh, voice our opposition to stuff like this happening, like building literally a gigantic nuclear, like nuclear, I was going to say nuclear, a methane power plant right in the middle of this beautiful, like, farming community. Oh my God, it's just a heartbreaker. So, all right, guys, before we get too far into it, I just want to show you how you can follow and support the show real quick. So if you head over to rebunked.news, that's the main uh, website here. Pretty much just a landing page, but it's got all the information you're going to need to follow and support the show. Right here at the top, as you guys may have noticed, instead of doing the email alerts, I actually created a Substack page. So every time I'm about to do an episode... I'll create a Substack, and that gets delivered to you the same way the newsletter did before. So if you're new and you want to get notifications about the show, you can get to that from the main website, Rebunk News. Click the link there or go to rebunk.substack.com. I'm also going to be posting other content there, um, some premium episodes, all kinds of fun stuff. So there you go. Um, and then also at the top, there's some affiliate information, including Richard Grove's autonomy course, which is a fantastic like entrepreneurial uh, marketing uh, strategy course that I took last year. And I'm just like super grateful. I learned so much. Can't recommend it enough. Um, also TRS heavy metal detox. That's a heavy metal detox spray. Um, ah, oh, geez, I keep needing to set my bottle by my computer just to show you guys, but, uh, it's a fantastic product. Um, it's just like a few sprays in the mouth each day helps absorb and eliminate all the heavy metals. Um, it's a fantastic product. Uh, so check it out. truthtrs.com, And then the give, send, go, um, feel free to drop a donation. If you know, if you get any value out of the show, just feel like, uh, you know, dropping a little bit of a tip in the tip jar there. And then, of course, we have the uh, T-shirt shop. So the T-shirt shop is brought to you by Big Frog T-shirts out in Beaverton, Oregon. All kinds of awesome ones, including the famous Are You Threatening Me Beavis shirt. Everyone's got to get one of those in their collection. Uh, so many great designs from Ryan and Amanda. Uh, shout out to Amanda. She was on the show last week uh, just talking about health and nutrition. Um, so please go follow and support her work as well. But, you know. Making a purchase at the shirt shop not only helps the show here, but also helps a liberty-minded shirt shop in the belly of the beast over there, which right outside of Portland, Oregon. So compliance is violence. I mean, come on. These are some great, great. Oh, and I got to show you guys this. I got to show you guys this. This is relatively new. Um, we do have women. Oh, 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 what's going on here? We do have uh, women's shirts as well. Ladies shirts by popular demand. Hats. And then look at these stickers. We got awesome stickers, man. You can get the little Beavis sticker, throw it on your skateboard, and you're good to go. All right. So anyway, so that's rebunk.news forward slash shirts, or you can get links to it on the website here. Um, any other value for value donation options, um, ways to follow the show, I suggest telegram t.me forward slash rebunked news, and then all the video and audio podcast platforms. So yeah, share the show. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in uh, my good friend, Will Halsey. Will, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me, Scott. 
Yeah, my pleasure. So, um, you know, I've been out to Will's place quite a bit. It's a beautiful, beautiful homestead out in rural Tennessee in a town called Ashland City. And uh, they host little gatherings out there. Actually, when I first moved to Tennessee, like you were some of the first people that I connected with. So big shout out to uh, Emily, who is a... used to work for the last American vagabond. She's kind of like the hub, the nexus of all these little freedom groups that I've been involved in. She's like, Hey, come, come out here, come out here. So she invited me out within maybe a month of me being here. And I met you guys and, uh, I'm just like, you know, super grateful for everything that you guys do. I've learned a lot being out there working with you guys. And, uh, so when I heard about this news, I'm just like, Oh man, like we got to do something about this. So I'm glad you're here to talk about it, but before we get too far into it, Will, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? I mean, I know we're both a couple of musicians, like how'd you end up in Nashville? How'd you end up homesteading out in Ashland city? Yeah. Um, well, uh, the, the journey started many years ago, but, uh, I've been doing music since I was a teenager and was really, passionate about that and focused on that through uh, most of my 20s into my early 30s and uh, started a blues rock and roll group in college on the west coast in southern california and this particular group was you know committed to going for it and uh, so none of us knew what to do we had no label support we started booking shows and hitting the road very grassroots effort and um yeah, we eventually started touring east of the Mississippi, made some connections in Nashville, and we got a small little startup label, got behind us, made us a deal we couldn't couldn't refuse, as they say. And uh, one of the stipulations was coming to Nashville, which uh, I was all too happy and ready to make that move. That was in uh, 2013, and the band moved in 2014. And yeah, we were road dogging it up until 2018. Um We were, yeah, we were going for it, Uh, traveled much of the country and did some touring in Europe and um, had had some success and a lot of great stories and friends came out of that. And uh, we amicably parted ways in 2018 for different reasons that I don't need to get into. Totally. I know Um, how that goes, just to hold the band breaking up thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's Um, a thing. It's a thing, but uh, yeah, Nashville was a great community and, um, you know, really welcomed us with open arms. And um, and I always was into the, the permaculture thing and, and farming and homesteading from going back to my early 20s. I had experiences woofing through the woof organization, worldwide opportunities on organic farms. And I was really inspired by that and saw some amazing farms and eco communities if you want to call them that um in different parts of the country and a little bit in central america and so that really planted the seed and i I always knew you know down the line permaculture is where where my heart lies living off the land um and so when the band wrapped up I, i i started working some farm gigs managing a farm in leapers fork tennessee and um just kind of immersed myself in that world um you know, uh, farming, husbandry, all the basics just kind of hit the ground running with that. And uh, the opportunity to came up, uh, I found this place in Ashland City. Um, it's got some really interesting history to it, but, you know, an old um, house that was built by the previous owner who um, 
is is quite the character. I didn't get to meet meet him. He died a couple of years before uh, before I was I was in the picture. But um, yeah, he, he left behind this this property to his to his son, and um, the stars kind of aligned and it checked all the boxes. I was looking for something um, potentially off grid. I wasn't opposed to to land with a structure, but my main things were were farmable land and water were really mm -hmm. my my big ones on my checklist and this property ended up having a, a house already on it um i've been really into earthships for the last couple of years and have done mm -hmm. a lot of studying with that with that group out of new mexico and so i was thinking of buying just completely uh rugged land and trying to chip out a little home and build an earthship was my plan and the stars aligned uh and this came onto my radar and yeah i've been here since uh, the very start of 2020, right before things got weird. Yeah. Weirder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> weirder, weirder. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome, man. And, and it's a lovely property and you guys have really managed to like turn it into something really, really cool. You got all kinds of different, like, tell us about like your setup, like in terms of like different garden operations you got going on and like just all the things you're trying to accomplish right now. Yeah. It's, um, so basic permaculture uh concepts applied to this space um really utilizing and encouraging what what was already here so there were some fruit trees that were planted on the property that i've been pruning and encouraging and there's a lot of wild um wild native species out here like you know pawpaws and passion fruit and blackberries and so many different kinds of herbs and mushrooms we just had an awesome haul of chanterelles um walking through the woods the other day and so really encourage encouraging the natural um abundance that's that's here and and really learning more about that and uh experiencing year to year and season to season those changes and kind of the flows of of life nature out here and what it's doing and working with that as much as possible and um at you know adding to it and encouraging it and expanding it um you know all as as minimally as we can while accomplishing what we want um but everything organic and hand farmed at this point we're not using any big machinery or anything like that cool awesome yeah. so since i've known you, you've kind of evolved into getting some animals too what's what's that been like yeah, that's that's been interesting. <laughs> uh, I actually when I when I met you, I had, I had been doing the the plant based lifestyle for a couple <laughs> years, um, inspired for health reasons, and I um, and uh, I didn't have you know some people have I know there's a lot of controversy and different opinions about dietary stuff, and you know I don't I see value in all of them. I don't really have a fixed position on that, but um. I was motivated to get into the plant-based thing for, for health reasons. And, and also, cause I didn't want to support the industry and some of the bigger stuff happening in the world. So my kind of deal with myself was if, if I hunt it, if I raise it, if I process it, or if it's within my community that I'm working with, then, you know, ab absolutely I'll um, incorporate me into my diet, my lifestyle. And also since homesteading and really, digging in and trying to live off the land you realize pretty quickly if you're trying to live this way that eliminating animals from the equation and from your diet makes things a lot a lot more difficult you know i couldn't growing all my protein straight out of the ground would be a lot harder than 
you know, raising it or trading with my neighbor for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've also just really gained much more of an appreciation for animals role in this ecosystem and how vital they are for regenerative agriculture and living off the land. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so this year was a big year for that. We got goats, um, a couple months ago and, uh, that's, that's been an interesting (laughs) endeavor. They're, they're, uh, they're wild creatures, very goofy, but, uh, yeah, we, we got, um, four goats. So two breeding pairs and, um, uh, a milking mother. So we've been doing goat cheese and goat milk and experiencing that and a lot of, uh, you know, maintenance and tending to, um, and, uh, yeah, we got them for the possibility of, of having meat down the line, but, you know, honestly, I don't know if it's just cause a mammal thing, but you know, slaughter- slaughtering these particular goats seems like it'd be really tough to do. Um, but we, uh, we did cross that line with some ducks, yeah. um, a couple months ago, we, we got ducklings that we raised knowing that we were going to be butchering them and doing all that ourselves. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really good experience. It was, it was somber for sure. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, some emotions, you know, kind of processing and taking life. You know, I, I'd never actually done that before. Um, I'd eaten plenty of meat, but I'd never sure. process it myself. So that was, um, yeah, it was good to kind of cross that line and experience that. And I feel like that that's a big part of it for me, you know, um, kind of reaping the rewards of that without any of the sacrifice and without, you know, kind of outsourcing the the death side of it mm-hmm. felt, felt a little unfair. So, y- you know, it, it's, um, yeah, like I said, somber, but it's, it's part of, part of life. Absolutely. Was it, uh, what was it like eating that? Was it like a extra special experience or did you think about it or what was that like? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, we actually, so we just, um, butchered up five, five ducks that we raised and you, you got to see them, those little ducklings when, when they were around. Yeah. Yeah. I put water in their (laughs) dish a whole bunch. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You're a big help with all that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we cooked the first one when, uh, my girlfriend Nicolette's family was in town. We had it, we had a duck dinner and yeah, like, you know, like everything, like growing food or processing your animal it always it always tastes better and it feels better and you know there's it it feels sacred i would say for lack of a better word yeah that's a great way to characterize it see i've never done that before i've never taken an animal as well besides fish done a lot of fishing yeah but but (laughs) as far as like bigger game have not so definitely on the to-do list it is it is interesting like i like i was saying i don't know if it's a mammal thing it's yeah, like sure. you, you know ducks are cute too but some some animals are easier than yeah. others for whatever reason if it's a cuteness thing or sure. a mammal to mammal connection you yeah. know nothing yeah. against fish i love fish but totally. it, it's easier to eat a fish than it is a goat yeah, no, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's an incredibly valuable skill. Like I've been trying to get an opportunity to do that, you know, looking for other people that host like, um, chicken processing clinics, stuff like that, just to get my foot in the door, just to get a sense of what it's like, because that's a skill, you know, and that's a very valuable skill Yeah. And this, in this new world, like who knows, you I mean, that might be a life-saving skill. And I hear there's so many different elements. Like if you cut it wrong, particularly like deer, I've heard, like if you cut, like if you're, um, you know, processing it and you actually cut like the stomach or something, the intestines or something, you'd spoil the whole thing. Like there's yep. like things you have to know, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like really important. 
yeah, not not rocket science, but the important yeah. things to know. And yeah, we actually just got a um a dozen chickens in the mix too. So oh, cool. I'll, I'll keep you posted on yeah. the processing cool. parties. Cool, awesome. So as we're getting into the the meat of the discussion here, um, what is your vision for the future of your homestead? Like what like I know you guys have some woofers too. You guys have people that come in and camp out, kind of pass through, but and I know you've got other projects off to the side there that you're looking to build out. So, you know, long-term, what is your vision and your goal for that property? Um, well, it's definitely been uh, affected by, by recent news, but the plan has always been um, just small scale self-sufficiency, um, supporting uh, not necessarily a, I mean, community has a bunch of different connotations, but being able to support, you know, um, people in addition to me and, and my partner and our immediate family and whatever our family turns into, um, being able to support other like-minded folks who are hardworking and wanting to live this lifestyle and wanting to learn and grow and expand with all that. Um, we, we've got some really awesome friends and allies out here, uh, who've been in the mix, some for a short bit of time, others for years who are, you know, also committed to learning and growing and uh, learning what it takes to, to live off the land and to raise your own food and to, um, yeah, kind of just support yourself in, in a, a rugged terrain. Not that we're, you know, totally off grid mm -hmm. um, or totally removed. We're, you know, 40, 50 minutes from Nashville, which is mm -hmm. nice uh, having those conveniences, but yeah, just taking a step back to a simpler, simpler lifestyle in the sense that like not so distracted with, with other things, but more difficult in the sense that it's a lot of hard work to, yeah. uh, to yeah. do all these things. Yeah. And I know you guys have put in an immense amount of work just since I've been, you know, known you guys, you guys have had so many improvements, different things. And it's just like, you know, you guys are building something with the intention of this being like, you know, a long-term thing, you know, it's very apparent. And then all of a sudden we get this news, we get this mm -hmm. news. And so let's get into that a little bit here. So tell us just kind of a brief overview, your understanding of what the situation is, and then we can just kind of unpack it from there. Yeah. So, uh, I was actually supporting, uh, my girlfriend Nicolette at the farmer's market in town. Um, when a neighbor came up with a, with a flyer and it was just like, you know, punch in the gut. It was mm. a terrible, terrible news to receive. And, uh, you know, my head started spinning, um, in a couple different directions and, uh, um, but yeah, basically TBA, the Tennessee Valley Authority, one of the major producers of um, power here in Tennessee and also Georgia, Alabama, and maybe one or two other states in the mix. But they're, they've been a long, around for a long time and they're, um, they're big. Uh, I don't know if they're technically a corporation, but they're, they're a big entity. Yeah. And uh, shortly after I acquired this property, um, a 286-acre parcel – uh, basically across the street and behind the, the neighbor across the street's property, they bought, they bought this parcel right along this uh, Sycamore Creek, this beautiful Creek that we paddle on and a lot of people fish on. Um, yeah. Some people had known that they bought it a couple of years ago, but they were real hush hush about what they were doing with it. There were some rumors about them using it for some solar production and then um, yeah, mid June we, the bombshell was dropped on us that they're, planning on building this 
monster of a methane gas uh, gas plant along with 12 miles of pipeline ripping across the whole county to to feed it um yeah which is very bad news for everybody in the area this this site is between three schools it's in the middle of this farming community and there's mm-hmm. there's a century registered century farms in this neighborhood there's old-timer farmers that have um been been working on this hill and working this land for you know decades and some hundreds of years hundreds of years yeah yeah some yeah. families uh making wall road where where i live mm-hmm. is is named after the wall family and uh yeah they've, they've been up here for centuries and um yeah there's there's a lot of history there's native mm-hmm. american history there's civil war yeah. history and uh it's it's just a quiet community before covid nobody was interested in this area nobody was looking when i found this house it had been sitting on the market and um it just wasn't on a lot of people's radar a lot of people weren't interested in you know this area and what's going on here um i was looking for like exactly exactly that you know um uh a place to develop a community and have strong connections with neighbors who are you know into self-sufficiency sufficiency who are raising their own food who are processing their own animals and you know the more i get to know my neighbors and kind of learn about the history i just realize how how special this this community really is you know old-timer farmers who've been doing organic farming since before organic was a word you know before before permaculture and, and all these terms were were uh you know hip words in in those circles you know they've been they've been doing it like that for forever wow wow yeah it's just it's so crazy so how far is your property from the proposed site uh i think by the way the crow flies it's maybe two thousand feet yeah like less than a mile yeah isn't that, isn't that less than a mile right yeah, yeah. Like three thousand feet is a mile yeah 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 like so yeah less than a mile it's like isn't it just down the road like it's across from uh nanette's house right just down the road from there yeah 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 the, the nanette's like right on the front lines isn't she like, she is yeah dude yeah and so she's she's evil. fired up for good reason but, yes. um, yeah it's it's right down the road but as i said it's directly across the street um yeah um so obviously everybody in the neighborhood is livid and very concerned yeah. and you know not not obviously pollution noise you know how yeah. that's how that's gonna affect runoff livestock, livestock livelihood pollution into the waterways it's just it's all bad yeah. um and why they picked that location um i don't i don't totally understand um because because as i understand it most of the power that would be generated from this particular generation site is to be feeding west nashville mm-hmm. um which again the locals out here are like why are you putting in this in the mm-hmm. middle of our farming community to feed this growing city put it there yeah um but uh but yeah it, it seems like a very odd choice for a lot of reasons like a yeah obvious bad idea yeah obviously a bad idea you know, and um, I really want to get into the different strategies you guys have and stuff like that. But one of, one of the really interesting things that I heard somebody mention is the fact that, you know, there's a lot of empty industrial parks in Nashville. Like I drive like on the way out here and you drive by like this whole, there's like abandoned buildings everywhere. It's like, there's like this haunted, looks like old haunted mental hospital. There's like all these areas like in right. industrial districts that would be perfectly utilized for something like this. And so it doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, yeah, you would you would think so. Um, why it would be, you know, they'd be scratching up all these private properties and, and farms across 12 miles to run this pipeline, you know, kind of away from Nashville seems very odd. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, why run? Then you don't even need the pipeline if it's right there in the city. And just to like give you guys some context, so you may have seen the thumbnail of the episode, but like we're talking like like those of you just listening, we're looking at an actual methane plant here. Like what in the heck, man? Imagine, no matter where you live, can you imagine having one of these 2,000 feet from your front door, like where your food grows? Like that is just nuts. That is nuts. And so it ha there has to be something bigger going on. And without getting too crazy, I mean, here here's just uh, something that was pointed out earlier. Look at this, you guys. So Will was talking about the Tennessee Valley Authority, the power plant system. Look at this. Where are we at right here? We're on the uh, World Economic Forum website, weforum.org forward slash organizations forward slash Tennessee dash Valley dash authority. Look at that. Hmm. They are featured prominently on the world economic forum website. So is there something bigger going on? I don't know. We're getting into conspiracy territory I now. <laughs> oh, no, exactly. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing out, I'm just throwing out things. So no, you're, you're speaking facts yeah. and you're reading yeah. off their website. Um, yep. You know, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about agenda 2030 and, yep. and what these organizations are about and what their bigger goals are. And, uh, yeah, I think they're very threatened by, um, people living off the land, rural yeah. folks who are growing their own food, agricultural communities is not part of their plan for mm -hmm. the world's future. It's a big threat to it. Um, and so, yeah, uh, in addition to providing, you know, power to, uh, generate, their their smart city plans in nashville and yeah. nashville is a targeted smart city a big tech city that's rapidly growing you know that requires a lot of power to spy on every citizen with surveillance yeah. cameras and you know a lot of data will be will be generated it takes a lot of power so although there's a lot of tall and skinnies and condos going up in nashville and you know people from all over the country coming here sure that'll raise the power demands but nobody's really talking about these these other power demands um that are that are very real yeah exactly so man it's just it's bonkers i, I mean i can't even wrap my mind around it and so i had the chance to go with you guys to one of the town hall kind of open forum type meetings you know you did a great job a lot of people had did a great job of communicating their concerns um one thing that, and along these lines one of the things that really I thought was hilarious. And I'm sure all these listeners will think of hilarious. Is this one guy, like, I think he said he used to work for the Tennessee Valley authority. Mm -hmm. He used to work for TVA. He goes up there and he's, he's reading off a sheet. He's given all the talking points and the bullet points as to the reason why it's a good thing or why you're, why we're all wrong and crazy. Oh no, he was going down. Okay. So that's right. So we had showed up with a bullet point list of all these things and he was kind of refuting them one by one. Right. But anyway, one of the things he said was, well, you know, the government's got this policy where like 60% of all cars need to be electric by 2030. So where do you think that electricity is going to come from? So you get a new power plant right in the, right in your backyard. Right. And that, <laughs> so. that is, that is a huge, a huge thing. I think the yeah. electric car industry in and of itself is, is a huge driving factor of this, of this whole thing. Um, and so, yeah, the whole net, net zero goals, um, is is what that's all what this is all about you yeah. know tennessee is moving away from coal um not by their own decision but as a federally mandated thing they're decommissioning this um i think 2500 megawatt coal plant in cumberland city 
and want to move to you know green technologies and they're considering methane one of those and so this whole thing is under the guise of environmental protection and combating climate change um and so you know i understand that coal is not the the cleanest form of energy and you know there's there's a lot of pros and cons with with all of them um and you know i'm for the conversation about all of them but but there seems to be I don't have, and I haven't, I don't know that anybody's provided the scientific research to suggest that this existing coal plant is going to be worse than the dozen gas plants and pipelines that they're looking to run all over the state. And this isn't wow. happening just in Ashland City. It's happening oh, wow. in Dixon and Jackson. And it, Whoa. not a lot of people know about this. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know about that at all. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought and, it was just uh, your guys' area. So. Yeah, no, this is going to be happening all over and it's and it's always in rural areas where these pipelines are going, um, which brings up a lot of questions when you consider the the goals of Agenda 2030 and how they're possibly going to accomplish Mm -hmm. these things that they set out to do. Um, And so it's definitely cause for concern and some suspicion. Absolutely. Well, that that's worth looking into. Like, is this happening in all of the kind of like, like it's happening in like Missouri, South Dakota, Oklahoma, like, are these having the same issues of this, you know, world economic forum going to prospering communities, like rural communities, because like, like you said, Ashland city was kind of off the radar, but you know, with the influx of all of us, West coast refugees, you know, now you got people like <laughs> looking for exactly what Ashland city has to offer, you know? And, uh, and so if, if they're trying to quell that or kind of just, again, herd people back into the city in one way or another, like that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's definitely, definitely, this is a very long-term strategy, but I I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a lot of, regardless of any of their plans and agendas and, um, insidious plans you know there's legitimate risks with with methane pipelines and leaks and explosions and all the things we see all over the country yes yes um but you know a a lot of people are highly suspicious of what just happened in uh in canada and Mm -hmm. and and how that happened and why that happened and anybody who's really looking at it doesn't think it was a random forest fire no, exactly. Or we can even go back to that uh, Ohio train derailment, which like Ryan from Last American Vagabond was covering just like nonstop. And he he was getting so much good information. And there was other um, other similar issues, all the train derailment. There was like like that phenomenon of train derailments right. every other day. You don't hear about that anymore. But, you right. know, what it did show is that the government, the EPA, these institutions that are trusted or tasked with handling situations like that, like spills and, and environmental circumstances. They dropped the ball right and left. And they covered things up and they didn't do the right testing. And there's just so many different elements that they prove themselves to be incompetent. And so, you know, how can you as a local citizen, a person who's, um, you know, kind of at the behest of these or these institutions, like you can't trust them to come in and do a clean job, do a safe job, do it rightly, do it properly, like do the right testing, do any of the procedures needed ahead of time. Like even if this were to go through and the guy at the meeting was saying like, oh no, it's going to be so safe, so good. You know, it's going right. to be all clean. But it's like, you, we don't trust you. You guys have proven yourselves to be beyond incompetent. All right. Yeah, no, absolutely. They had uh, what's called a scoping meeting after, mm-hmm. uh, the the whole way they announced uh, this thing was all very shady and secretive. Mm. They, Tell us about that. Tell us about that. Yeah, they made the public announcement with the Federal Registry, which is 
I don't know exactly if, it, if it's like a, a newspaper or exactly what it was, but they made this announcement in the federal registry knowing nobody looks at the federal registry. I don't know what it is. Nobody really does. Maybe some people in the know do, but that was their public announcement. Nobody heard about it until a couple weeks later. And by that time we were within a week of, so mm -hmm. of the, of the commentary period. So they take public commentary for a month after the public announcement. Nobody heard the public announcement on May 30th or May 27th, sometime around then. Nobody heard about it at all till three weeks later. And then within a week of that was the scoping meeting, which is their public forum opportunity to hear the public and, and whatnot. And it, it was a total joke. Um, mm. uh, you know, bless Ashland City for coming out in numbers to that. Like, was that the one that I was at too, or is that a different yeah, we, yeah, okay. yeah, we, well, yeah, we that was flooded awesome. the place in yep. a, a local community center. You know, there was a line halfway across the parking lot of pissed off locals, and uh, and and the way they have it set up is they have their their agents there with their their plastic smiles and their little mm -hmm. billboards talking about their plans for the future, and it's all very greenwashed and and they're just feeding straight bs you know even contradictions within the same room and they set it up in a way where there's you know you're not hearing your neighbor's concerns or questions and it's just it's just total greenwashed it's i was asking this guy um about the the pollution from it and how it affect the creek and he's like oh no there's no there's no pollution yeah, yeah. these things are state-of-the-art <laughs> it's like you're telling me this methane gas burning plant creates no pollution he's like yeah <laughs> and i'm like all right dude well great talking to you that's <laughs> like some real solid information <laughs> what about um, even like the 500 cars that need to show up there every day to go to work or something like there's even just like concerns with that i mean yeah yeah there's so many concerns and you know this this property is pretty um it's pretty rugged i mean a lot of yeah. the a, a lot of the trees have been clear cut it was farmed in the past but it it's a lot of terrain like a lot of um incline um and and there's been you know just mixed information from you know across the board uh, you know originally when tba first quietly bought it there was rumors of a solar plant which was never part of any legitimate plans mm. and um and a lot of people based on uh, articles and stuff the TVA has released about wanting to do these small modular nuclear facilities across Tennessee, a lot of people think that, that that's in their longer term plans is to go nuclear with the site. Wow. Of course, that, that's not something that they're admitting at this time. And I, I can't say that that's true, but based on what they've said and their kind of playbook for the future, uh, a lot of people are concerned that that's that's their intention with this because the property is 286 acres and i think they're using is is either upwards of 70 acres is what they need for this facility and so it's like what's going on with the other 200 plus acres you know so there's a lot of just speculation on that yeah definitely well when i was at that meeting uh i found something to be very interesting something struck me and you could even argue this is another one of their big fears is um, all of us that they have fighting and scrapping with each other. 
like actually coming together. You know what I mean? Like that's their worst fear ever. And I'm, I was very struck with that. The median is that there are lots of people that are coming at this same issue from different angles, right? Like there's some people that are coming at it from a more climate change angle. There's more people like, you know, the local farmers. And so people have different perspectives where that they're coming at the issue from different kind of worldviews that inform their concern about it. But at the end, everyone's coming together in the same room as allies fighting the man, you know? And so I thought yeah. that was actually really cool. And yeah. So what, what, and in most circumstances, like maybe the person over here, like we may not see eye to eye on a lot of other things, but hey, we're all here together fighting this. So what has that been like? Uh, that's been uh, pretty, pretty awesome to see, actually. Um, uh, the day of um, that's that scoping meeting, mm -hmm. um, my, my neighbor who ends up who turns out has a extensive career in environmental lobbying, wow. you know, left, yeah. left leaning and we don't see eye to eye on anything. And she's very concerned about climate change and a lot of these, these things. Um, but she's been awesome and on the ball and such yeah. a great ally for all this. And, uh, she got us hooked up with Fox five or one of these wow. local news stations. And she's like, Hey, would you, would you give them an interview? Um, and I was like, sure, if it helps the cause, I'll get the word out and uh, I'll bring my neighbor, Pete Krantz, who's... Um... Uh, shout out to Pete. Pete's <laughs> Pete, one of my favorite people in the world, man. Yeah, Pete, Pete's awesome. He's very old school. I bought yeah. the land from his brother who yeah. inherited it from his father and he was not happy that mm. that this property left the family and uh mm. he didn't know what to think uh, of this uh, this guy coming onto his property. Um and uh we've come a long way since then we're good, good friends and we work on a lot of projects together and i help him at his sawmill and we're, we're growing stuff together and he's my my local meat connection and we're we're his his veggie guy and so uh it's been a great symbiosis but um he came over i was like hey pete we got we got fox 5 news like let's you know let's give him the story like and so he he came on out and uh, he called up everybody he knew, his town council connections. And, you know, within like a couple hours, like the news people are coming. And as they're finishing up the interview, these old timers from the town council and a bunch of old conservative, you know, good old boys are coming over and we're meeting up just like, you know, what what do we do about this? Yeah. And uh, it's just kind of expanded from there. We've had a couple of meetups and groups and it's, you know people very concerned about the climate change thing. People, the, the, this old timer down, down the road is so funny. He's just talking about, it. he's like, you know, I never thought I'd align with the tree huggers, but uh, yeah. here I am. I get it. And I'm fired. I'm fired yeah. up. And it's like, Hey, that's great. Whether you're yeah. like a tree hugger or pissed off conservative or a farmer or whatever it is, it's like, you got a reason to, to fight this and mm -hmm. we're all on the same team now. Um, so yeah. that's been, that's been cool to see. Yeah, that's what I've been saying forever. It's like, can't we all just like put down all these stupid issues and just realize that we all hate the government? We might hate the government for different <laughs> reasons, but we can all hate the government together. Right, right. That's <laughs> bringing a lot of family. us together. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah, that's that's hilarious. So, uh, I've heard some talk about like imminent domain, and maybe if some people don't know what that means. Maybe can you kind of describe what some of those concerns are? Because now we're talking the pipeline. So they bought this property, but now we have a pipeline to deal with. So what does that look like? Right. Um, so eminent do domain is is the legal justification they use for taking property, whether it was from the Native Americans or whether it was from, you know, Joe Schmo, who, you know, has been living on his land for 
a couple generations, um, it's the justification for taking land for the common good and kind of a collectivist type of mentality. And, uh, and so this is, you know, this is nothing new. This is as old as America. Um, but there is some, some, uh, some shady things going on with Tennessee specifically last year, I think in the spring of 2022, there was this pipeline preemption bill that was passed in the state state Senate, um, which basically gives gas and oil companies and probably other electric industries access to your um, land, basically Mm -hmm. without a say, it's just stripping of rights of the homeowner in favor of oil and gas companies. And so this passed quietly a year ago. Nobody heard about it. I'm sure a lot of the politicians who voted on it didn't know what they were voting on. They probably just got hey, you're going to vote for this from their from their supporters, financial supporters. And so not a lot of people know about it, SB 2077, but it's definitely going to be a hurdle in this whole fight. Um, but uh, but yeah, they, they make these private deals with groups like Kinder Morgan, BlackRock, financed organization that lays pipeline, and they just have right away to take your land without, mm. you know, a damn thing you can do about it. Meanwhile, they're, they're making very strong, strict uh punishment for non-compliance mm-hmm. you know you're basically a domestic terrorist if you're if you're putting up a fight um to oil companies ripping up your land destroying your home destroying your your livelihood um and it's it's unconstitutional garbage and you know that bill needs to go sent back to hell where it came from um, yeah oh definitely uh so i'm you know this is the last thing in the world i want to be doing is is yeah. calling up representatives and congress people and yeah. but you know at this point that's kind of what we can do before it gets further than that is mm-hmm. put the pressure on them with an election year coming up and being like hey yeah you know because no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on given you know given oil companies right away to private land landover should piss everybody off absolutely absolutely so a couple of takeaways from that particular meeting um you know they were kind of saying like i heard some people saying well it might just happen there's nothing we can do about it but you know that doesn't mean we don't fight you know what i mean like whether or not they've already made up their minds and they're just not letting us know what like it's almost like they open up the public forum and then the comment period just as a formality be like yeah we'll let you guys just you know say stuff but we don't care we're doing it anyway right yeah they're covering their asses they're covering their asses but it doesn't mean we don't fight it doesn't mean that we don't get the word out and at least create awareness around what they're doing but in addition to that though i've heard you guys have some really interesting strategies like kind of like along the wildlife situation like some different strategies or different ideas you're tossing around to combat this like in creative ways you know what i'm talking about you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah well we're just looking at what's gotten in the way of these kinds of things before Mm because they they have been stopped before and uh things that have that have stopped them is um endangered and threatened species so there's things called garter snails in um I, th- I think I'm saying it right uh, here in Tennessee, which are endangered and live in creeks like Sycamore Creek. If if some of these are found to be there, then that could, you know, sl- slow things down. If nothing else, uh, burial mounds, Native American, you know, uh, bones and artifacts and stuff have held mm. up big projects before. Um you know, the very legitimate concern about uh, about noise and and. Yeah. And things like that and how it'll affect the community 
has slowed things down before, you know, to the TBA, I don't think they, they are swayed by morals or by, mm -hmm. you know, sob stories from small town folks. So, you know, I don't, I don't think morality is going to sway them. No. Um, but there are a couple things that can, and, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll look at, at anything, you know, it's, um, you know, anything that will, will hold this up, you know, the, the team is going to support, you know, whether you're concerned with climate change or not, if there's, if there's something to suggest that this is a step backwards in, as far as the fight against climate change, it's like, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll support that regardless of what my views are. Um, and so it is, it is, um, as far as the local thing, it's like, how do we stop this? And there's not as much, um, conversations about, what else can we do? What are the real alternatives? And that's something that, that I've been thinking more about and I'm passionate about. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an yeah. engineer. Um, so I don't have these answers, but knowing a little bit about what I know about suppressed technology and other ideas, I'm like, yep. I'm, I'm really curious. And I was talking to a friend about this the other day. Who's, you know, very brilliant guy, much smarter than I am, which isn't saying much, but, uh, he he said something that really struck me is like we alternative energy needs to be our new manhattan project yes and i was like that's you are so right on with that and it's like we we know the reasons why that's not happening we, exactly. we know why stan meyer's water car never hit the market you know yeah. and, and we know these things um and we gotta you know it's not like that's really in the conversation and it's frustrating it's like you know the, these these giants of industry are you know, standing on the neck of any possible alternative from getting out there, whether it's, whether it's hydrogen or whether it's Nikola Tesla type stuff mm -hmm. or, or even like um, the prohibition was like a result because Henry Ford was making like fuel that ran off of alcohol. And so they're like, no prohibition, no alcohol, just get out of here. You know? So yeah. Like, it's like that we have, or even like gasifiers. I learned about a uh, gasification engine during 2020. I had some friends that were building a gasification engine. Are you familiar with this? A gasifier? Uh -huh. Dude, you got to look into it. I'll send you some resources. So it's actually the same guy that I showed you with the rocket stove. So he introduced me to the gasifier engine. So go to everybody out there, go to driveonwood.com. And he's located in Alabama now. So he's just right up the road. I'm just remembering all this right now. So I remember... So the guy that did the rocket stove, John, um, he learned all his stuff from the guy who invented the rocket stoves. And uh, part of what they kind of developed is for a while, the guy, Dr. Winnie Arsky, who invented the rocket stoves technology, worked on gasification engines and stuff like that. And so basically what it is, is it's, it's, a, it's an engine that runs off of wood chips. It runs off of wood chips. Wow. You put wood chips in it and it burns and creates methane gas, ironically. And, and that becomes a combustible gas and you can use it to power an engine or a generator and so they're they, and even back in world war ii they have you can go and um uh or even on fema the fema website has gas gasification uh, generator instructions how to build one but this was a popular wow. thing during world war ii so these are old 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 technologies you can yeah, a lot of this stuff has been around you yeah. know nothing yeah. new under the sun yeah um yeah. And, and I think that going back to the electric car thing, you know, they're trying to kill the diesel engine and, you know, because the diesel engine can run off many forms of fuel. You yeah. know, that's why veggie oil, as I understand, it was created to be a fuel source for diesel engines. And, uh, you know, they started adding it to our food because they realize it makes us sick and they can profit off that. But yeah, they, they want to 
kill the diesel engine and com- combustible things all under the yeah. guise of, you know, environmentalism. But totally. uh, so, so here's real quick. Here's driveonwood.com. So you, this is uh, a 1995 Dodge Dakota with a gasification engine and these these ra- you can't really see. Let me see if I can zoom in a little bit. Like these railings on the side. Like this is where the methane gas flows through right there. And Whoa. basically, this actually it might be carbon monoxide. It might be carbon monoxide. Now that I'm saying it, so okay. I can't remember. I can't remember which gas it is off the top of my head, but. This is an engine, and so he he drove all the way across the United States with this vehicle um, powered strictly by wood chips. Wow, that's awesome! And yeah. and um, you probably heard about the, I guess I don't know if this would be considered hydrogen, but uh, you can run the the battery of your car through distilled water with baking mm. soda in it, in this wow. coil system that creates hydrogen power that becomes an additive to the gasoline and triples the efficiency of your um of your of your car your miles per gallon um which if if they're trying to burn less fuel and save the environment like this would be a Mm no-brainer um and you know it's been squashed several times over but um uh, you know i was hearing about an old timer up the street who figured this out and did it (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's and, amazing uh, that's amazing and, and it's like it's like you, they can you know we have so much we can talk about to push back in terms of like ice core samples like the the sea levels like all of these things that we know kind of debunk the whole like you know ice cap thing and all that stuff but mm-hmm. at the same time it just comes down to a very simple like logical approach to it where it's like okay we know for a fact that we have stuff that can do exactly what you're trying to do but you pretend like it doesn't exist and you ignore it so therefore i know you're not serious and you have a different agenda and so we're so that i, I don't need to take you seriously at all and that's where i that's where i'm at it's like we know that they're not serious about it we know they have ulterior motives because if they were actually serious about it they would look into and implement some of these things that we know exist yeah Absolutely. And, uh, and it it frustrates me that that's not part of the conversation so much in this fight, but I I feel like one of the best chances we, we have, and you know, this, this goes into, you know, a much bigger awakening of, of the world is, you know, just like getting through the bullshit of like, Hey, like we know this exists, you know, a lot of people know this, you know, it's hard to know, what the numbers are, but you know, a lot of people are just kind of asleep to this and are, are just focused on, on solar and wind power, which has its place, but is also not the, the solution that a lot of people want it to be. It's just, it's just not, um, I, I think there's, there's a place for it and it can be utilized. Um, but you know, there's, there's so much more going on that we're not even scratching the surface on and it's not getting funding and anybody who tries to take it to market, you know, ends up dead under mysterious circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, anybody listening out there, if you have experience with this sort of thing, if you've been in similar situations as this, if you've, uh, if you have experience working with the courts on similar stuff like that, please reach out. You know, you can email me rebunkedpod at gmail.com. I can put you in touch with the people, uh, that are working on it, uh, as you can see on the screen and also in the episode description, there's a link to Appalachian voices. It's appvoices.org. Um, they are uh, spearheading a lot of the efforts to combat this and just kind of inform the public about uh, the situation um, so you can support them because that support goes towards helping get the information out about this. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really crazy, man. And, and, you know, I, 
I really hate to bring this up, but I was just really kind of curious. And I'm sure a lot of people are curious. Like, I'm sure you put a lot of thought into like, what happens? Like, what do you, what, what do you, what are some of your considerations if this thing were to move forward? Like, what would you, mm. like, how would you respond? And like, what would you think you guys would do? Yeah. Um, I've, I've had to, I've had to consider some of those options and, um, you know, um, one, one thought was, was trying to, you know, the thought of starting over somewhere else and finding, trying to escape to the woods somewhere else. You know, that's, yeah. that's when I got this place, I was like, all right, I got my little corner of the world that I can post up in and defend and live off the land of my best abilities and try and support as many people as want to walk that path with me. Um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, funny is not the right word but no. you know this this world economic forum backed tba situation right across the f street is like oh you know you, i i can't just run away and hide from this you know i can find try and find another rural spot and start over and be more isolated and more off grid um but these these plans are are far reaching and i i don't think there's a there's a limit to what what they will do to achieve their goals and so um I think putting the energy into the, the worldwide resistance and awareness is, is really everybody's best bet. If we really want um, freedom for humanity and a cleaner, healthier environment for future generations, it's not going to be from these, these folks plans and it's not going to be in these corralled in smart cities like cattle, no. you know, it's going to be from, from hard work, um, of of individuals banding together um in in numbers and really the first step of that is being aware of what the hell is going on and i'm i'm sure most of your listeners are are well versed on that and so i'm grateful that word is getting out but a lot of people are just are just asleep um but i i have i have hope and i have optimism and you know a lot of people even in the community are you know, we're kind of hopeless out the, out the gates and, um, you know, some things are worth fighting for regardless of your chances. And we're, we're going to fight with, with everything we got. And this is going to be a long process and we're going to keep doing what we do in the meantime. And, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a place for, for faith in the bigger picture, yeah. whatever you have faith in, you know, for me just faith that there's something bigger than this third dimensional reality as we understand it and uh you know yeah. there's there's things worth than worse than than dying for a cause you know death isn't the the worst thing in the world but succumbing to uh you know some of these plans is a worse fate that that can be dealt to humanity than standing up for something and, and dealing with the, the consequences that come with it. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, let's see. Sarah in the chat says pitchforks, pitchforks. <laughs> yeah. A whole, a whole lot of pitchforks. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, so, what, what about so, like a standing rock situation? If you guys decide uh, to do it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that out there. Cause I don't want like them to thinking like we're domestic terrorists or anything, but I'm just saying, if you guys decide to do a standing rock thing, let me know. And I'll be there. I got my bullhorn right there. We'll yeah i mean there there are um <laughs> there are measures that that sadly you know our state representatives are are uh taking to uh really de-incentivize that you know yeah. um yeah but uh 
you know, at, at a at a certain point, it's like, you know, this is this is America and we we have a, a, a constitution that that stands up for certain rights and it's it's quickly eroding. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, I, I'm not encouraging violence no, to no anyone violence. or, or by no. any means, but no, no, no. um but uh yeah i don't i don't know where i'm getting at but pitch <laughs> pitchforks not a bad yeah. idea yeah. um lay, laying down in front of bulldozers you know yeah. um <laughs> yeah. who uh nobody wants wants to see it come to that um you know uh there's a whole lot of copperheads and probably some some tennessee rattlers on that property so yeah uh, i don't know. if anybody knows ways of how to encourage uh, <laughs> the proliferation of such a dangerous species that might yeah. slow them down a little bit maybe a little I'm bit we got like we got a lot of like energy workers that listen out here maybe they have a way to tune into the snakes and just have them yeah where's saint patrick yes them all there yeah exactly <laughs> that's hilarious well you guys um, had a meeting the other day i understand with one of the representatives and we were talking a little bit before about you know just like yeah, he's he's a he's a politician and he's saying things, but it's like, hmm, do I really trust this guy? What what was that like? Like actually meeting with a politician and like trying to at least appeal or appear that he was on your guys' side? Like, what was yeah, that? um, yeah, that was a uh, Congressman Mark Green, who's I think this this district's representative. And uh, the meeting, you know, the way it happened, it was kind of like this TBA thing. Like I found out about it an hour beforehand. Yeah. It was the town next door. Um, and it was like, even local government people didn't hear about this. And so I just was fortunate to get the news from some informed pe people with their, you know, ear to the ground on this. And so I rushed over there with a couple people from the neighborhood and, um, there was, you know, maybe 30 people in the room, not all that many. And, uh, the whole, the TVA topic dominated the conversation from the get go, this is what was on everybody's mind. He was prepared for it. He was thinking about it. And, uh, and basically he was like, you know, I'm a gas oil guy. Um, we need, we need more power in middle Tennessee, but it's like, I understand your concerns of the public and you know, the public has been very vocal. And so I will represent you as a representative that you do not want this in, in this community. And I believe that he, he will, he will do that at least to some degree, but again, it's not it's not getting at any of the the bigger stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But it was interesting that uh, um, he got on to he was the first person to talk about the World Economic Forum. Okay, and it was it was related to a question about CBDCs. I was asking him about that digital currency, and you know, being a Republican, he was firmly opposed. He was he was recommending Tennessee follow uh, Florida's. Florida's lead in in the legislation they passed to protect against digital currency and said that's what Tennessee should should do totally um and so he kind of opened that door and um you know it's when there's politicians who are talking about these kinds of things it makes it easier to just bro broach the conversation without just being the, the crazy conspiracy guy you know, he's talking about World Economic Forum and these influential groups and the UN and and how this conglomeration of globalists is really pushing this on the world coming from the top down. Um, that kind of just opens the door to have these conversations be like, well, look at these conversations. You know, why why are these private companies and organizations having 
having rights um, beyond the state. Like, why are we bowing to these these corporations and their interests before, you know, our own citizens? Um, you know, and there's a lot a lot to be said on that. Um, but but at this point, like a lot of people in Tennessee just just don't know. And it's not in the, the media dialogue. No, um, but it should be. And it's, it's going to be affecting a lot more people um, across the country and across the world in the next couple of years. And so the more informed we can be and the more we can kind of just expose this for for what it is, the more chance we have of. You know, doing something about it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, shoot, man. Do you have any final words, any final thoughts, anything you want to make sure that you leave with the people? I'm going to wrap up here. Um, yeah. Understand what, what agenda 2030 is and what the implications of it are. If you're in Tennessee, uh, look up SB 2077, um, and get on the horn with your representatives. And, you know, I, some of you probably don't have much faith in the political process and I totally understand that, but just make some noise about this. Talk to people about it. Talk to your communities about it. And, you know, like learn, like, I I think the solution for the world is getting back to it. You know, I'm not saying that anybody needs to go to this extreme, but like, look at the resiliency of a group like the Amish and how a group that is, is hardworking, focused and undistracted by the nonsense, how resilient they are. And, you know, I think they're just one example of uh, a community that has a lot to teach the world. And, um, you know, if we want to really want a greener future, we, we need to stop thinking it's going to be technology is going to be our savior. You know, technology is bringing us into a dystopian nightmare very quickly. And while it has its place and its benefits, it's like we got to take some steps back and take some more responsibility for our lives and how we live them if we want to see real changes in this world. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, you're a great spokesman for this, you know, thank you for, for your efforts and in, in heading this off and doing everything you're doing. Um, I mean, let me know what I can do to help. Um, hopefully, you know, this will go out and hopefully some people see this might resonate with somebody who knows, who knows, you never know these podcasts out. You never know what happens. So hopefully some good, if, if I I appreciate it very much, sincerely, you've been a friend from day one and I know you're sincere about these things and you know, that's how we found each other. And I'm really Mm -hmm. grateful for that. Um, if anybody wants to reach out for information or ideas or whatever, um, our email address is instead, I-N-N, stead, S-T-E-A-D, dot permaculture uh, at gmail.com. That's me and my partner, Nicolette. We, before any of this uh, came up, we were doing small workshops and farm-to-table events and very small grassroots local community building stuff. Um, but, you know, we got we got much bigger things on the horizon that have kind of taken our energy and focus. Um, but it feels to me that this is an opportunity to express and help people understand what's, what's going on and what's at stake for, for not just us, but for America and for the world. Totally. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll put your email in the episode description so people can uh, follow up with that. If they have any questions or just words of hope for you, like you guys, let's, let's, uh, you know, we're all in this together. You know what I mean? In a sort of way, like if it's, it's, it's their community now, but it's, well, I'm going to say our community because this is just right up the road for me too. You know, this is our community now, but it could be yours next. So 
you know, whatever we can do to get together and try to fight this. So yeah, big shout out to everybody out there. Nicolette, big shout out to Narissa and Onyx. You guys are just like doing the deal. So that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate you so much. Yeah, no problem, man. All right. Well, you guys, uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Uh, I got a show tomorrow as well with Tim James from chemical free body. And, uh, yeah, until then have a good night. Peace.